0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso and his co-host. Welcome to The Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony D'Urso.
1: My co-hosts are out and about, including a European tour, so I'm flying solo today. For our Spotlight audience, are you ready for today's amazing guest? And you are listening to The Spotlight, where we focus on highlighting stars, greats, and game changers. If you're a fit, we want your interview on The Spotlight. We broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, so please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. And you can catch every episode of The Spotlight on my mobile app. Just go to slash mobile from your Android or iPhone, and once it loads, past episodes of the Spotlight will automatically appear in Column One, and Column Two is my other weekly show highlighting elite entrepreneurs called Revenue Chat. All right, today we set the stage for the Spotlight to chat with Shell Harowitz, transformpreneur and author of Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. And for our audience, for over a decade, Shell Horowitz, the transformpreneur, well, he's shown businesses how to thrive by doing the right thing. Shell knows how not just to go green and market green affordably and effectively, but he shows how businesses can thrive by transforming society, turning hunger and poverty into sufficiency, war into peace, that's really cool, and catastrophic climate change into planetary balance. All very needed items. Shell is an international speaker and TEDx talker. He's a transformational business consultant and the multiple award-winning best-selling author of 10 books. Most recently, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. And his second guerrilla book is with guerrilla marketing founder, Jay Conrad Levinson. Find out more about Shell at Going beyondsustainability.com. All right, here we go. Welcome to the spotlight, Shell. Pleasure to be with you, Tony. Shell, such an honor to meet you. And I know, I believe you've been traveling around a little bit and going here and there. And you're actually the fourth person that's written a book and also been mentored by Jay Conrad Levinson that I've had the great pleasure and honor of interviewing So I am truly and deeply appreciative of you taking the time to spend with us today. This is going to be great.
2: Yes, it will. I'm delighted to do it. I I did two books with Jay. I did Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green back in 2010. And then we revised and expanded and added a whole lot of content about how business doesn't just have to keep things sustainable, which is keeping things the way they are, but can make them better. I call it regenerativity or going beyond sustainability. And that was the genesis of the latest book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. Jay has passed on now, but it was a pleasure to work with him, and um, an honor to be a guerrilla marketing author, along with uh, such luminaries as Seth Godin, who got his start doing that as well, and um,
1: so, and and who, by the way, gave me a, a beautiful back cover endorsement for the new book. That's amazing. Seth is quite an icon in, on his own, and that is absolutely amazing. And I've seen the list, ladies and gentlemen, in the spotlight audience, the, the list of famous icons that have reviewed. Shell's books, or have made notes about him and commented in their own book. It is so long and extensive. It's, it's really quite something. Very cool. Shell, you've had so many amazing successes. You've done so much. Let's take it all the way back if we can. First things first, I would love to know, how did it all start for you, please? <laughs> well, do you want the three-year-old incident, the 12-year-old
0: <laughs> incident, or-
1: <laughs> or the kind of coming to this as, as an early adult. <laughs> well we'll fast forward real fast through the childhood, <laughs> unless there was something significant that made you what you are today. Well, I guess that's pretty that's a silly question because everyone can say yes. But you know, who knows? Maybe at five years old you said, I wanna be a marketing person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that came a little later. I
2: wasn't doing marketing really until I was 15. But uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are these two incidents that really did shape who I am that were very, very early. One was that I was about three and my parents were throwing a little party and their friends were hanging around in the living room smoking cigarettes. And at age three, I thought, these cigarettes are not good for me to be around. I, I wanted to do something to... Uh, preserve my own personal environment. So I started crawling around under the coffee table, taking people's cigarette packs and breaking the cigarettes in half. That was my first uh, nonviolent direct action at age three. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) A break until I was 12. And I went to my first rally about the Vietnam War. And one of the speakers said, the Vietnam War is an undeclared war. And you know, it sounds like a little thing. But it really shook me up because I had been raised, you know, with the social studies curriculum of we have the checks and balances and the three parts of government and it all works and you can't have abuses of power. And well, there, boom, there was an abuse of power. And that got me questioning absolutely everything. And that really was very, very influential in having me go into social change. And then a few years later, I started going to the marketing side in order to promote the agenda of peace. So it does relate very much. By age 15, I was actually publishing articles in one of the school's underground newspapers. And interestingly enough, it was the right-wing underground newspaper at the school, and they would run my stuff with disclaimers saying, this does not represent the views of the management. But the thing is, they would publish me, and the legitimate, quote-unquote, campus newspaper would not. So I discovered very early that I could get a platform even when people didn't agree with me, and that I could actually spout off about things that were important to me and and have people pay attention to them. And that's really the very beginning of my now 40-something
1: year career in marketing. That's phenomenal. You've had so many successes along the way. Can you tell me what serendipity and fortune brought you into the world with Jay Conrad Levinson?
2: (laughs) Okay, Jay, um, when I did grassroots marketing back in 2000, I gave my publisher a list of people who might be willing to make an endorsement. And I put Jay on the list. I had interviewed him once. And uh, the AOL address that I had from that interview, which was like, I don't know, 1995, still worked. And then um, I had actually a contact with a man named Mark Joyner, who has done quite a few really good marketing books. And he had... Purchased uh, a, an ebook of mine on having fun cheaply many years ago. And I looked at this email that I got with the order, and, and I thought, well, that's interesting. This man is a multimillionaire and he wants my book on how to have fun cheaply. Well, okay. I wrote back and I said, here's your ebook. And by the way, I'd like to send you a different book that I think you'd really like. I know who you are, I know your work. Uh, may I send you as a gift? So, I sent him a copy of Principled Profit, Marketing that Puts People First, which is the first of the several books I've done on business ethics and green principles and social change principles as business success strategies. And he loved it. And uh, we did a few things together. I had him as a guest on the radio show I had at the time. and um, He was living in New Zealand back then. And uh, I wrote him a half a chapter in one of his books as a guest essay. And, you know, so we were building a relationship. And then one day out of the blue, he sends me an email saying, by the way, would you like the name of my editor at Wiley? And of course, you can imagine it took me about eight nanoseconds to say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Wiley was sitting on the book proposal to take principal profit and expand it and revise it. And they were taking a long time to respond. So while I was waiting for them, I thought, hmm, If they say no, I'll ask Jay Levinson if he wants to make this a guerrilla book. And they eventually said yes. And I thought to myself, duh, why don't you ask Jay anyway? So, hey, Wiley, what do you think if I bring him in as a co-author? Oh, you mean we get two marketing gurus? We like it. So I wrote to Jay at that same AOL address, and it still worked. And would you like to do this as a guerrilla book? And He was thrilled because this is a a real lesson in how to build a win-win partnership, Tony, because Jay, of course, is a marketing superstar, but he was nothing in the green world. He had expressed some vague liberal platitudes about how basically he was in alignment with the idea of the Green Movement, but he'd never done any work there. So by going in with me, he got instant credibility in a market that I was very strong in, and I got instant credibility as a guerrilla marketing author and part of the most famous marketing brand in history. So it was a a very good partnership for me, and interestingly enough, um, I obviously did most of the writing as most of the guerrilla co-authors do. Jay does fairly little. He's now passed on, but that's the model is that that there's a a very minimum amount from him and, and you do most of the work. And so I, I, um, you know, did this phenomenal book that he absolutely loved. And uh, I I did some nice things for him that other people hadn't ever done. Like I said to him, okay, in the resource section, what do you want me to say about you that what people can order from you or or get additional trainings from you? And he said, you know, in all the books I've done together with other authors, nobody's ever asked me that before. So it was very easy to get on his good side (laughs) by just thinking proactively about what would make his life easier and better. And, um, the, the interesting thing is I had several friends who were marketing authors with Wiley and I knew what they were paying them. And I had to share any revenue with Jay, of course, but the amount that they gave me was exactly twice what they typically were giving for a one author marketing book by somebody of about my stature. So, you know, twice a number divided by two is that number. So I didn't lose any money at all by having Jay as a co-author and I got this incredible brand. And I got Jay's, at the time, 84,000 member mailing list that was gonna get exposed to me and was gonna get a couple of special things like um, like telephone interviews that they could listen to. And uh, meanwhile, he got to be much more known in the green world. So it was it was a win-win partnership all around. Everybody was happy with it. And uh, I actually didn't meet Jay until very late in the process. I was actually at his house meeting him and his wife, Jeannie, for the first time when he got his author copies of Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green. And um, I didn't get mine until I got home from Florida.
1: <laughs> so it was really kind of special to be there when he opened the box. That is so cool. What a great story. I really appreciate you sharing that. It just gives such new insights on Jay, the process, and everything. Very cool. And I want to talk a little bit more about this, Shell. I mentioned a little bit just in the intro, but I'm going to give a little more detail on it. We're going to talk about your 10th book, which is Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. And you have a best-selling co-author who's done more than 60 books. And you have more than 20 endorsements, including Chicken Soup's Jack Canfield, and of course, Purple Cow author Seth Godin. You've got essays from the authors of Unstoppable and Diet for a Small Planet. The list just goes on. 50 people. 50 people. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. For our audience, can you tell us, give us a little information, what is Guerrilla Marketing and how does it heal the world, please? Okay. Guerrilla marketing is the idea that
2: marketing can be nimble and limber and quick response and all the things that big dinosaur companies don't know how to do but that often little entrepreneurs do and smarter big companies have begun to figure this out. The first guerrilla marketing book was something Jay did all the way back in 1984 and there have been a gazillion of them in various niches and some books in the series that are not even about marketing like there's a guerrilla travel and there's a guerrilla saving Um, but it's this idea of being able to turn on a dime to be able to seize an opportunity when it's there. And maybe by the time that big, slow corporate dinosaur with 100 people in the marketing department can turn its long neck and see what's going on, you may have even already moved on. So a lot of pioneers in the marketing world with tactics that required new ways of thinking, non bureaucratic processes, They jumped on this. It became a very, very successful brand and a very successful concept. A lot of people who've never heard of Jay Levinson or don't even realize that there's a guerrilla marketing book series use the term guerrilla marketing now. And as far as how it applies to social change, uh, once again, I got my start in marketing in order to market social change. So for me, they've always been
1: very closely intertwined. You might even say braided together. This is The Spotlight with Tony Dierso. Just ahead, we continue the chat with Shell Horowitz, transform printer and author of Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other and all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at tonydurso.com vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at tonydurso.com slash vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at TonyDurso.com community. As the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso continues to grow with a very large audience, new sponsor opportunities are now available. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with stars, greats, and game changers? Would you like to see your brand on a high-profile show that's downloaded thousands of times each episode? Would you like to see your brand promoted to my extensive social media network reaching millions of impressions? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at tony at tonydurso.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at tony
0: d-u-r-s-o dot com. You're listening to the spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to the Spotlight.
1: All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight. Today's show is with Shell Horowitz, Transformpreneur and author of Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. On the marketing side, Shell was still a teenager when he started doing publicity and marketing for grassroots community organizations with zero promotional budget there wasn't even money available for stamps. So he used to hand deliver press releases on a three-speed bicycle. All right, and now back to the chat with Shell. As
2: an example, I'll talk about a campaign that we did here. If you could see out my window, you would see a a dairy farm and behind that a mountain. And that mountain is a state park called Skinner State Park uh, or Mount Holyoke. And the next mountain over... Uh, visible from the top of that state park, which, by the way, always wins the vote in the local newspaper's reader poll about what's the best place to take an out-of-town visitor because you could get a four-state view from the top on a nice day. Um, they were going to put 40 McMansions, 40 trophy homes going all the way from the road to the bridge line. And while all the experts were wringing their hands and saying, no, oh, this is terrible, There's nothing we can do, I went off and started a movement, and uh, the first meeting of Save the Mountain was held in my dining room, and we jammed 70 people in here in this not very large space, and about 35 of them got seriously active in the organization. We had thousands of supporters around the town and the, the county, and uh, we used a lot of guerrilla marketing techniques, uh, particularly press coverage and uh, personal visitations to people's houses, as well as uh, interactions in places like the farmers market or public events. And we built enormous support. We were able to pretty consistently bring out 400 people to public hearings. We were able to pass three pieces of legislation that mean that any future developer is probably not going to look at developing on the mountains here because we've made it too hard. And uh, Interestingly enough, I knew that we would win from the beginning. I knew there was no way we were going to let this project through. And I think that attitude has a lot to do with why we won. Because the message which we were projecting was, we're going to beat this back. You will not know what hit you. And, uh, but I thought it would take five years. And that's where I was wrong. Do you, do you want to guess how long it took us to defeat
1: this project? Well, knowing your prowess and your background... I'm going to hazard a guess that it was under a year. Well,
2: you're really close. It was 13 months, so just over a year.
1: Wow. And it was a near total
2: victory. We let them build two at the bottom. And and most of that land is now part of the adjoining state park. And this was very much a guerrilla marketing victory because what happened was we were – public enough and noisy enough in our opposition and in our conviction that, number one, this shouldn't be built, and number two, it wouldn't be built, that we were able to attract the quiet attention of a local philanthropist who actually bought the mountain and gave it to the state. And uh, I didn't know this was happening. But really, we, in a way, we won. In The campaign started in November, and by March, I didn't know it, but we'd already won, and from March to December was just working out the details of how that land purchase was going to go through when there was a buy-sell agreement between the developer and the previous owner of the land. So, really, everything after March, so in a sense, you're very right we won in less than a year except that we didn't have the the legalities in place so from november to march was winning the campaign and i didn't even know we had won and then from march to december was figuring out how to make it work and uh, lo and behold that land is, is now protected forever and um, I became kind of famous in the town, and that's really when I started looking at. Okay, I've been doing marketing as a career for years and years and years. How can I really intertwine it more closely with these goals of making the planet better, um, ending things like poverty and hunger? So I started really thinking about that, and that led to the first, the principal profit book, the book that I sent Mark Joyner, and from there it just kept spiraling out. And I'm I'm always in learning mode. I. And a voracious reader. I read more than 80 books a year. And uh, I'm always figuring out the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So principal profit became guerrilla marketing goes green, guerrilla marketing goes green became guerrilla marketing to heal the world. And the last I'd say four years, I've really made it the focus to reinvent my business as a consultancy that's really going to work on these regenerative types of issues on getting past the stuck places where we are now
1: into making things really better. That is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all that, Shell. What a story. What a victory. Hats off to you. So now when and- you look out your window at that mountain, you see the beauty in the nature instead of a bunch of homes, right?
2: Yes. Every day that I drive to either of the two towns north of me that I go to several times a week. I look in my rearview mirror and I see that hillside full of trees and I give a great big smile. And I thank the, the universe for letting me help it
1: in saving that. That is so cool. And now I'm gonna, I wanna actually talk about this a little bit because when people think of green, let's go there. People think of green, they think, oh, it's expensive. I can't afford it. It's too much money. And then it's also very complicated. But now you're into green marketing. Can you give us a little insight into that and tell us more about that, please? Sure,
2: but first I wanna address the first part of that statement. I'm so glad you brought that up because it ain't true. The wonderful thing is that going green can be very, not only cost effective, but actually profitable. You can lower costs, you can boost revenues. Now, what is lower cost and boost revenue? That's revenue for a greater profit. So, and there are some, some big company examples here. I, I just want to uh, actually go into the book and get you a couple of these uh, that are the, here we go, I think. Yeah. So, for example, General Electric Created 25 billion with a B dollars in new revenue after a 2 billion dollar investment in sustainability innovation research. That works out to a 1,250 percent ROI. By the way, uh, New York City chose to, instead of building an 8 billion dollar water filtration plant, they bought. billion dollars worth of conservation land uh, to protect their watershed, saving six and a half billion dollars. And here's a really interesting company you might have heard of uh, based in in Bentonville, Arkansas, the largest retailer in the world. Uh, Walmart, believe it or not, sells more organic food than Whole Foods. And what I find really interesting is that they sell all this billions and billions of dollars worth of organic food to people who, by and large, ain't never going to go into a Whole Foods in their lives. So they have not cannibalized the Whole Foods market. They've created a whole new market in working class, ordinary Americans, buying health food, buying energy efficient light bulbs. And they have done enormous amounts of work in greening their own operations. And this is like the most bottom line driven company there is. These are not tree huggers. These are people who are obsessed with profitability and with logistics and with efficiency. And they have gone green in a big way, both in what they sell and in how they operate, because it saves them a big pile of money and it makes them a big pile of money.
1: Phenomenal, really quite something there.
2: I had no idea. Yeah. There, there are a lot of reasons why I personally don't shop at Walmart. There are a number of areas that I want them to improve in first, but on the environmental side, I cannot fault them at all. I, they've been a world leader on this. They have forced a lot of the companies that sell to them to green their operations and to green their packaging, and and they've done
1: great work in this, and I, I give them a, a hats off for it. Very cool. And I'm going to jump around on a couple of different subjects, and I probably will come back to green, but...
2: Yeah, I realize I didn't answer the green marketing part. I only answered the the green operations. You're right. (laughs) The green marketing. Here we go. Okay, in the consulting that I do with companies that want to go after the green market, I say that there are really, for green products and services, three different market sectors. There's the deep greens. Those are the people like me that live and breathe this stuff every day and who make their buying decisions very heavily on the basis of how green is a company, how much is it doing to make the world better. Then there are what I call the lazy greens. The lazy greens are people like my mother-in-law, uh, I told her at one point I was staying at her house in New York because I was going to tour the recycled paper factory of the Marcal Household Paper Products Company, which uh, went recycled before I was born and is a remarkable success story in the green world. And um, she heard this and she says in her Queen's accent I always buy Marcal because it's recycled. But she's not a deep green, she's a lazy green. She always buys more Cal because not only is it recycled, but it's right next to the other stuff on the supermarket shelf where she's going anyway. So you have to market to her a little differently than you market to me. And then of course, there's the cigar smoking uh, person driving their Hummer a quarter mile to the convenience store, the non green, or even the, the, the hostel person, and you have to market them very differently. For them, Go Green, because it's better for the world, is not going to sell one single thing. But the argument, buy this particular brand because it's more comfortable, or more durable, or better to use in some way, or cheaper, and by the way, the reason it is, is because of all the cool green features we built in. That argument works for them. So that's a
1: bit about green marketing. Very cool, very cool. There's so many angles in directions I could go on this I've written a couple of books on sales marketing and leadership and I love this subject and I've learned so much in what we have just discussed because I really also read between the lines and I'm very intuitive and I see so much more growth for me in marketing I just love this yeah and and I want to thank you again I'm probably going to thank you another hundred hundred thousand (laughs) times but I just love this conversation this is the spotlight with Tony D'Urso just ahead, we're going to find out more from Shell Horowitz, transformpreneur and author of Guerrilla Marketing to heal the world. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso continues to grow with a very large audience. New sponsor opportunities are now available. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with stars, greats and game changers? Would you like to see your brand on a high-profile show that's downloaded thousands of times each episode? Would you like to see your brand promoted to my extensive social media network reaching millions of impressions? If so, Let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at Tony at Tony d-u-r-s-o dot com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at Tony D U R S O dot com. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at Tony, D-U-R-S-O.com slash community. As the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso continues to grow with a very large audience, new sponsor opportunities are now available. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with stars, greats, and game changers? Would you like to see your brand on a high-profile show that's downloaded thousands of times each episode? Would you like to see your brand promoted to my extensive social media network, reaching millions of impressions? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at tony at tonydurso.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at TonyDURSO.com.
0: You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDURSO.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony
1: Tierso on the Spotlight. Today's show is with Shell Horowitz, transform printer and author of Guerrilla Marketing to heal the world. Trained as a journalist, Shell first became aware of the power of the news media when a local paper refused to print meeting notices he wrote for a controversial group. But they gave extensive news coverage to its refusal. Now, for over 20 years, he's helped businesses nonprofits, and community groups get the message out to the public affordably and effectively. All right, back to the chat with Shell. One thing you said somewhere, which I thought was great, you've mentioned it somewhere else, and I wanted to make sure I address that while we have time. You talk about how businesses, for their growth and sustainability, they should seek alliances with their competitors. And I'd love if you could give us a little bit more of information on that, please. Okay, let's talk for a moment about market share, because I believe that market
2: share for many companies is really an unnecessary set of handcuffs. Because, like, okay, I'm a consultant. Okay, if I were to get even 1% market share of the green marketing work out there, I would not get any sleep and I'd have to hire like 20 people and I'd be very tired and I'd be a wreck. Um, I don't want to be that big okay for me as a solopreneur it's probably more like 0.0001% would be a good solid working calendar for me so if i have enough with that tiny little fraction what does it matter if you also have enough Um, If I have capacities that you don't and you have capacities that I don't, wouldn't it be great if we could pair up and then not turn away clients because we can't fully service them? Instead, we can say, I can do this part for you. And by the way, my colleague can help you with that other part. Um, So it's the, the one time you'll ever hear me quoting George W. Bush is he had this wonderful phrase he said once, make the pie higher. And I believe that joining with your competitors is making the pie higher. And the partnership that I have with Jay Conrad Levinson is a perfect example of that. You know, he's a marketing consultant and speaker and author. I'm a marketing consultant and speaker and author. By joining forces, we explored this earlier in the call, he was able to get into a new bar- market and I was able to get to a new status level. Um, nobody lost in that exchange. We, we both won. And uh, you see this over and over again. You see it, interestingly enough, you see it with some really big companies out there. The first car I ever bought new was a 1988 Chevy Nova. The interesting thing about the 1986 to 88 Chevy Novas is that they were actually Toyota Corollas with a different Uh, what do you call it a logo on the hood and uh, a different key system Uh, but the car was designed by Toyota and built by Chevrolet in California so I got Japanese engineering in an American made car that employed my fellow members of the United Auto Workers which happens to own the National Writers Union (laughs) which I'm a member of and uh, so I'm actually a United Auto Worker member you know, so, so for me, buying that, I was able to buy American and make my conservative neighbors feel good about me when I ran for office. Um, I was able to actually save $2,000 over the Toyota version. And uh, I was able to support this innovative partnership. You see this, um, Apple and IBM have occasionally partnered. Can you think of more fierce competitors? Uh, FedEx and the United States Post Office are partners, Uh, If you ever wondered how it is that express mail actually gets to its destination on time, uh, those of us who are more than a couple of decades old, we remember when the post office was the laughing stock, you know, oh, well, you'll never see that again, you mailed it, Um, but the interesting thing was that the post office contracts with FedEx to get that express mail and priority mail from airport to airport, and then they pick it up and do the, the last mile stuff at the other end. So FedEx absolutely always knows where every package is, and it knows how to get there on time. So the post office, if they didn't partner with FedEx, they'd be issuing refund checks on these undelivered on time, one-day delivery guarantee packages all day long. By getting FedEx to move it airport to airport, they know it's going to get there.
1: That's amazing. And by the way, I remember those days extremely well because I was taking care of the mail office and the communication center for a company in corporate America And the number one rule is you never use the post office or express mail because it never arrives. And FedEx had, even back then, a 100% infallible reputation. I remember that. And then, yes, somewhere along the lines, that partnership uh, occurred. And now the U.S. postal system with express mail is extremely reliable. Well, thank you, Federal Express. Yeah, because
2: they're both playing to their strengths. The post office offers the the last mile coverage of going to every house in the country, and uh, FedEx offers the the city-to-city delivery system and the logistics. So it's a great partnership, and you see this all over corporate America. So basically, if you haven't yet started partnering with your competitors, you
1: should. I like it. And speaking of green, another facet, another angle on green, we talked about the affordability. We talked about the partnering and so forth. One misconception, perhaps, or criticism on green is that can people be green and honest at the same time? Do they have to cut corners? And what happens in a crisis or recession as well? Does that affect the whole thing? Could you comment on that?
2: Sure. Well, again, I
1: talked earlier
2: about how green can actually save you money and make you money. Uh, The only people who want to cut corners and going green are the people who haven't figured out how to make it profitable. So if you see green as an add-on that's costing you money, then yeah, you're going to want to cut it. But if you've done, and I I can help with this, you know, looking at companies, um, I'm not an operations expert, but I generally am very good at seeing the big picture and seeing like, okay, you're spending money on this and this, that you could really do a whole lot cheaper if you did it this way, or built this, efficiency, and I can connect you with people who are on the tech side can make that happen. So, you know, if if you're, let's just say, you know, going green has saved you $20,000 a year on your fuel bills, you're not going to cut that. (laughs) You'd be suicidal. You know, if on the other hand, you're going green in expensive and cumbersome ways, then you would cut it. But the smart people are going green by going after the low hanging fruit first, the stuff that makes the money and saves the money. And then they can use the savings on that to go to the next level that maybe is more expensive and complicated. But a lot of this stuff is really easy stuff. I mean, I live in New England. It gets cold here in the winter, okay? I went to the hardware store years ago, and I bought baby safety outlet protectors, you know, those little plastic plugs that you pop into the outlets. And all of my outside wall outlets that don't have a plug in them have an outlet protector in them. And, you know, if I'm pulling one out so I can plug something into the wall, I feel in January, I feel that gust of cold air coming through. And when that plug is in there or that protector is in there, I don't. So that little thing, and you combine that with the little foam pads that you can get with your energy audit for free that go between the cover and the actual outlet. And you've just, with, you know, a few dollars to do a house, you're saving a bucket load of energy in, in the heat of the summer and in the cold of the winter. So you can do things like that. Going from incandescent to even beyond CFLs, going to LED lights. I wrote an article some years back. I did a little math. Think about someone who owns, let's just say, a sports arena or a large department store, someplace with a really high ceiling, a high enough ceiling so that you cannot reach the ceiling with a stepladder. Now what is the real cost of changing a light bulb for that business owner? It is not the five to $20 to put in the LED light. The cost is the 50 bucks or so it's gonna cost to send somebody out in a cherry picker to go up in a lift and change that light bulb. It's the labor factor. By looking at that, even back then when LED bulbs were quite a bit more expensive than they are now, now you can often find them for a buck. But back then they were like 20 $25. But if you're saving $50 every light bulb change, and the LED bulb lasts for 15 years and the incandescent lasts for one year, I worked out the math. It was like a $4 million savings if you didn't change 50 bulbs a year that you would have had to in the past. $4 wow. million bucks! Phenomenal. So, the, so there's no argument against going green economically. The, 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 the numbers are all in favor of going green, even despite the subsidies on fossil fuels and on nuclear that make solar um appear to be less, uh, what do you call it, less um, competitive, if you work the full numbers and you look at the lifestyle costs, it wins pretty much every time. Wow. Very,
1: very, very interesting. Very cool. Yeah. And I A used to foot live foot in foot. Chicago. I, I remember you'd get close to the walls and you could just feel that cold, icy air come through. Very smart on these little things that you've come up with that, that you do. Very cool. One of the gifts I have for your listeners, by the way, is an ebook called Painless Green. And
2: it's 111 different ways that you can save energy and water cheaply or for free and very easily. And to get that going beyond sustainability.com slash freebies. And um, eventually you'll get to a page um, on the website for that ebook and use the code Tony.
1: Well, thank you very much on behalf of the audience. And at the very end of the show, Would you please reiterate that again one more time so people can write that down? Sure. And I've got several gifts on that page. I've got a a number of very cool things there. All right, Um, Shell. Very cool. This is the Spotlight with Tony Dierso. Just ahead, Shell shares more insights and his contact info. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other. And all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at TonyDurso.com community. As the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso continues to grow with a very large audience, new sponsor opportunities are now available. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with stars, greats, and game changers? Would you like to see your brand on a high-profile show that's downloaded thousands of times each episode? Would you like to see your brand promoted to my extensive social media network reaching millions of impressions? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at tony at tonydurso.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at TonyDURSO.com.
0: You're listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to the Spotlight. All right, we're
1: back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight. Today's show is with Shel Horowitz, transform printer and author of Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. In 1985, he published the first of eight books on low-cost, high-impact marketing, 10 books total. Six of his books won awards, and or have been republished in other countries, including the long-running category bestseller Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, Winning Strategies to Improve Your Profits and Your Planet, co-authored with Mr. Guerrilla Marketing himself, J. Conrad Levinson. Shell's 10th book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World, also co-authored with Levinson, was published in April 2016, by Morgan James and hit two different category bestseller lists in its first two weeks. And now back to the chat. And I have one more question on green. Then I actually want to talk a little bit about social change because you're very strong in that. All right. (laughs) But one last question on green, because we do have some in the audience, they're business people, they're solopreneurs, like, you know, they're small business owners or so forth. What would you say For that small business owner, where would they start if they want to go green in their marketing? Let's talk about green marketing.
2: Well, first, let's talk about the advantages of doing this. There is a huge market, the whole what's called cultural creative sector, um, people and also a lot of health conscious people who may not be particularly green oriented, but they want to, for example, eat organic food because they have some kind of toxicity reaction to chemical foods. So you can get enormous PR, you can get enormous marketing benefit by going to these audiences and say, hey, look, we're doing this for you. Um, we want to make a healthier product for you. We want you to be healthier. We want to support local chem-free agriculture because it's better for everybody. And you can get, it's still possible. It's going to get harder and harder as more businesses go green and it becomes less of a point of differentiation and more of a basic requirement. But right now it's still possible to get a lot of press and do really cool marketing pieces on the, what green means to your consumers. And interestingly enough, I think that the social change piece is really where Green was 20 years ago on this. So right now, if you do that, you're really on the ground floor. And then you can call yourself a pioneer 20 years from now when everybody's doing it. You can say, I was doing this in 2017 because I'm really kind of cool guy. And uh, uh, we think ahead and we knew what was coming and we wanted to make sure that we're doing right, not only by you, but by the planet, too.
1: Oh, I like that. Hey, I'm a really cool guy, and I talked about it on a radio interview, so I'm a pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, it's just my yeah, I mean, Italian you know, comedy here. I, no, I do a lot more than you that. Know,
2: I, I, for me, I was doing this long before it was fashionable. I, I have about 40 years' experience in, in marketing green. Oh, so, well, I'm let's, uh, talking let's, uh, let's, about a listener of yours that might, might be inspired to go this way and, and what they'll be like 20 years from now. And they can say, it all started when I heard this guy on the radio.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I like that because I know that my shows and interviews with such notables as you does impact people. There is that ripple effect. It does make changes. I hear all the time, some events, something happened. You know, I get thanked for the show. I get thanked for having somebody on. It changes people. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is where, this is what I love to do.
2: Yeah, and that reminds me of one of the other gifts I have on the goingbeyondsustainability.com slash freebies page, and that's there are uh, self-assessment tools to determine if you're ready to do either a green business venture or a social change business venture, and if you fill those out, you actually get a free 15 minutes with me to evaluate the results. So how cool is that?
1: Hey, it's and super th- cool because, yeah, to 15 minutes with you? All right, everyone, so... That website again, please?
2: sustainability.com slash freebies. Good. As
1: soon as you finish and- listening to this, everyone, please go there and check out this stuff and get that 15 minutes with Shell. It is invigorating, to say the least.
2: Okay. So now you wanted to ask me about social change.
1: Yeah, I do, Shell. You talk about this quite a bit. And you talk about, for example, you talk about solving the world's most important problems you know, hunger, poverty, war, climate catastrophe, that sort of thing. People have been trying to solve this for eons. And I want to know, well, obviously you've told your mountain story, and that's one facet, one part. But where are you going with this? And tell us what you're trying to accomplish, because so many people have failed on this in the past. Okay. Here is the the one real
2: key. And I'm going to just give this some silence around it before and after because I really want people to pay attention to this. The thing that these things have in common is that ultimately, they are resource issues. And when you frame them as resource issues, they become solvable.
1: Makes great sense.
2: So, yeah. so I, I, I'll say it again, that if you think of these things as resource issues, resource issues are something we know how to solve. Uh, we may have kinks in the distribution, but we have an abundance in the world. We have enough to go around. So we create abundance when we do things like going green and using less energy or less water or less other resources. We create abundance uh, when we look at how wars start. There are really mostly two kinds of wars. There are wars over resources, which would include water, land, gold, um, human beings, and there are wars that seem, at least at the surface, to be about religion or ethnicity. But interestingly enough, when you scratch underneath those religion and ethnicity wars, you usually find some resource conflict is at the bottom of it. I'm actually, as it turns out, I am reading the Old Testament right now for the first time in a couple of decades, and you see... 3,000 years ago, they were writing about land conflicts between the people who became the Palestinians and the people who became the Israelis. How amazing is that? Wow. So all of these things are solvable. I mean, there's there are really amazing companies out there that are doing things like solar powered LED lamps, and they are putting them in, um, deploying them in situations where normally they'd have either used kerosene or they've sat in the dark. So... Let me tell you a bit about kerosene, Tony. It's flammable, it's toxic, it's nasty. It doesn't generate a very good light, and uh, people get sick burning kerosene lamps in poorly ventilated homes. They're they're not um, they they're at great risk of fire injury. You replace that with a bright lamp that is solar powered and you've gotten rid of the fire hazard, you've gotten rid of the toxic fumes, you've gotten rid of what might be 10% of the family income to pay for the kerosene every month, you're selling to them on a time payment that is about the same as that payment was. So let's just say $2 a month for 10 months and then you've paid off the lamp. And then that all of a sudden you have 10% more disposable income in a place like Rwanda, that, that is a huge increase in your buying power. Meanwhile, the parents coming in from a hard day of, of tilling the fields, can see well enough to do some sort of craft business. Uh, The person who is selling them the lamp and servicing them has a a steady career now uh, with with this kind of entrepreneurship. And maybe the kids can see better, and they're doing better on their homework, getting better grades in school, and eventually better jobs. And you've built a ladder out of poverty with a single $20 lamp.
1: Amazing. And in many places of the world where... The labor is so inexpensive compared to our standards in the United States that is a huge amount saving two, three, four, five dollars a month or what have you. It makes a big difference.
2: Now look what we've addressed here. We've addressed economic insufficiency. We've addressed the environment. You know, by treating these as resource issues, we're solving many different
1: problems at once. I'm going to ask you a question that's going to stump you, Shell. Is that all yeah. right? Okay. We'll see. We'll see what we, can we, do. we have. Thousands and thousands of people listening to the spotlight with Tony D'Urso every week. Thank you, dear all the spotlight audience. And they'll consider themselves common people. I'm just an ordinary person. So the question to stump you is what can an ordinary person do to start addressing and doing something positive on these global issues and green issues, please? Well, can you think of anybody more ordinary than a seamstress, Tony? My mother was a seamstress, by the way. Mm-hmm. She was a seamstress, and I know how ordinary that is, so yes. Okay. Well, a certain seamstress named Rosa Parks created,
2: well, they didn't create, but really uh, turned into a mass national movement, the American Civil Rights struggle. Okay? True trend. Now, she... Um, it's, if you know a little about Rosa Parks, she didn't just decide one day that she was sick and tired of being pushed around by the, uh, whites only in the front of the bus stuff. Uh, she was actually trained at the Highlander center, which is a a peace and justice center uh, that was in Tennessee at the time. And she was very active in her local NAACP. And she wasn't the first person to refuse to go to the back of the bus. Uh, about a year earlier, there was a, a, Teenage woman um, named, I think, Claudette Colbert, um, who did the same thing and was also arrested on a bus in Montgomery, but they decided that she wasn't the test case that the NAACP was looking for. Uh, They wanted somebody who seemed more um, established, um, less marginal. So they waited around and eventually Rosa got arrested for refusing to go to the back of the bus and like, okay, perfect, and uh, that movement sparked around her. But she was an ordinary seamstress. The door opened to her greatness and she stepped through it. Uh, How about an electrician and working in a shipyard? Uh, That would be Lech Walesa, who launched the solidarity movement that threw the Russians out of Poland, became the president of Poland. He was an electrician working in a shipyard. Ordinary person. Lois Gibbs was a housewife who discovered that there were issues with toxic pollution in her house near Niagara Falls in a neighborhood called Love Canal. And she started an international movement around toxics. Again, ordinary people. Gandhi and Martin Luther King were ordinary people. The door opened to greatness, they stepped through it. They weren't born great. You know, here I am, one guy working in a farmhouse and I started the movement that saved a mountain. I'm an ordinary person.
1: You know, you've, you've uh, expanded my horizons with that because it is so true. One person on a proper course, a proper path with a good purpose can make a significant change in the world. That is so true. History is the, full of those examples. Here's the piece that, that we forget sometimes is that those single
2: ordinary people achieve their greatness by reaching out to others and creating movements. They didn't do it by themselves. True. Okay, you once in a while, you'll find somebody who actually achieves some social change really on their own. But usually you find supporters, funders, uh, people who march in the streets, uh, people who go to strategy meetings. It's a big community project. It it really it takes a village to raise a planet, you might say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Shell an invigorating, delightful, fantastic, amazing interview with you. Time has flown so quickly that it's time to make sure that we have a couple of pieces of points here for our audience. First, can you please provide any contact information of how our audience can get a hold of you, please? Absolutely. The website, once again, is
2: goingbeyondsustainability.com. You can email me, S like Sam, H-E-L, just one L, so shell at greenandprofitable.com, and and the and is spelled out, A-N-D, and my phone number is 413-586-2388, 413-586-2388. I am happy to accept calls 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And um, you can also email me through the contact form on the Going Beyond Sustainability website. And again, if you go to goingbeyondsustainability.com freebies, there are a bunch of gifts I have for your listeners, including the mentioned—the um, uh, Painless Green screen ebook, as well as the uh, self-assessments with the free consultation and a bunch of other stuff we didn't have time to
1: go into. That is phenomenal. Thank you so much. And I usually don't have a guest give their number, but since you have, which is totally fine, Let's encourage people to call you if they want help with taking their business green, taking their marketing green, improving their marketing. What topics would someone be a good fit to call you for assistance on, please?
2: Uh, Anybody who wants to go greener in their business, anybody who wants to build a social change component into their business, anyone who wants to hire a great speaker on this topic, and also anyone who's interested in publishing a book the right way, that is another area that I help people with. And I should mention that this interview is going to air just, I'm away for a couple of weeks, but I will be back in my office on January 13th. And, um... You can leave voicemails before then, or you can send me email. I should be able to check my email from away. And, uh, you know, basically I, I can work with you individually or in groups to help you figure out how you can move forward with this and how you can be ahead of the curve. So when the market comes knocking, you're already there and seen as a leader.
1: And that's pretty exciting stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. And I hope you just get flooded with emails and voicemails and people wanting to see how to take your marketing green or to help you with social change. Just amazing. And I know, I really know this. We've only scratched the surface. There is a lot more brilliance and genius there. And again, I truly appreciate you spending the time with us on the spotlight. Such an amazing interview with Shell Horowitz, transformpreneur and author of Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. Thank you again, Shell. This was fantastic. I agree. It was fantastic. All right. Great. And to our Spotlight audience, thanks again. It's our honor to have you listen. Grazie to you. Oh, grazie, grazie tante. All right. Keep your focus on success, and we'll see you next on the Spotlight.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and his special VIP co-host. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.